up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. It is episode 25 of Chronically Fully Sick, so welcome, welcome friends. We are recording today on the stolen lands of the Eora and Kulin Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded and this was and always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you so much, Joe. That's okay. Um, <laughs> as I said, uh, episode 25, that is bonkers. That is absolutely bonkers. Uh, so welcome to the 25th episode of Chronically Fully Sick. I will now read a show intro that Joanna has written for me verbatim. Welcome to episode 25, half a century. Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> I'm Chloe Sargent and I am gay and get diarrhea. So welcome to the episode. Thank you, Joanna. Can you read, that? <laughs> read the second part though? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Again, your formatting's dog shit. I didn't see it. I thought it was the next point. Uh, with me is my gorgeous and sexy co-host who is not gay and does not get diarrhea. Lie. <laughs> Joanna Nielsen. If you want to get updates on us and the Chronically Fully Sick podcast, you can do that on Twitter at Chronic Full Sick or Instagram at Chronically Fully Sick, or you can get in touch with us via our website, chronicallyfullysick.com. We also have a group on Facebook called, you guessed it, Chronically Fully Sick, which is filled with lovely spoonies who chat about all things chronic illness. And um, uh, sorry if I sound like poop this episode, but... Uh, I moved house and I'm in an almost empty room, so that's why it sounds like I'm in a public toilet. No, it's a lie. She's in a public toilet. <laughs> that would track. Um, I, I will also mention that in the middle of the day the other day, you just messaged me saying, <laughs> it's happened. I clogged the work toilet. It's finally happened. <laughs> it was like a pro price of nothing nothing it's just out of the blue so yeah you're in a public toilet and you're a trash hog um thank you yes also rate us <laughs> rate us please uh speaking of people being trash hogs we are trash hogs who want validation five stars um, so for please- the trash hogs yeah, five stars for the trash hogs. Um, yeah, so rate us. Please leave uh, reviews um, of our terrible podcast uh, because it helps other people with chronic illness find us. Um, not that they should ever want to. <laughs> However, we would like it. So please do. Anyway, Joe, how are you? Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Um, I've been it renovating, um, but I've been painting windows with my little hands that with a little brush and my... A little claw hand <laughs> sees up like a little Just crab. Like, you, using a makeup brush, it's like, mm, you can buy bigger ones of those. <laughs> almost, almost. I'm a perfectionist, yeah. Chloe. I never do anything half-assed, including this Straight podcast. Lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, full bore, babe. Full bore. Uh, that's why we haven't recorded in a while. And also we couldn't mm. be fucked. And <laughs> oh, mate. There's like, I feel like every single time we've like, messaged each other being like we should record soon one of us is like um i'm dead in a ditch slash painting an entire house from top to bottom slash having a mental breakdown it's like something was always there something was always in the way so we apologize for our um hiatus of i can't even remember how long but we i don't i don't really like it's free content get out of my grill that's all i gotta say um i got my 
government weed license, which explains mm. why I why I haven't been doing anything. No, like yeah. it doesn't make me hire anything. I just feel a lot better, and I reckon like a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been due to that, which has been great. Um, if you have any questions about it, let me know. Criticallyfalistic mm. at gmail.com. I find that CBD is a bunch of bullshit. You need a bit of THC in there for it to work. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, a lot of people are like, I tried CBD for ages, wrote it off, and then tried it again with varying levels of THC, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, this is what I thought it was going to be in the first place. Yeah. So I, I would like to continue going through with the uh, the weed process, but it mm. is quite expensive. So I will continue to do other things that are of course very legal as i say on a podcast <laughs> what's I been happening tell me tell me oh mate it's i can't like i was just saying to you before like i tried to even listen to the previous episode like the intro of the previous episode to figure out what was the last thing i spoke about like what was the last thing that happened bullshit like, it was like, bullshit recorded. i can tell you that it was all bullshit mm. yeah and basically i don't have anything to say even though i'm saying words so i apologize to our listeners um but i think the last thing that the big major thing that sort of happened was i um basically accidentally went um like halved my dosage of cymbalta um mm. well no sorry it wasn't accidentally it was the drop the first drop was fine when i was weaning off just because i was trying to come off of it so anyway the first drop was fine wasn't really impacted by it and i think i even though i've weaned off a million medications before i've been on every fucking ssri and everything in the past like i've done this a million times i think i got a bit cocky so rather than waiting the full f four to six weeks or something for the first drop to sort of settle, I was like, oh, I feel totally normal. I feel totally fine. I'll drop down again. Um, mm. Like thinking to myself that it just wasn't having an impact. Um, turns out it was having an impact. The withdrawals that I got from Cymbalta, like just coming down one dosage, was the worst I've ever experienced in my entire life. It was like... I was getting full body waves of, I felt like I was on a boat. I was also nauseated and vomiting. I was basically, there were moments where I would get a wave and I would fully lose grasp of reality and I oh had no idea what was going on. Yeah. It was really scary. And it was one of those moments where I literally was like, I live alone. What people could like literally find my body. Like that's how like dark it got really, really scary. Right. So, it's, this is not me trying to say that people shouldn't go on or off this medication. Like, people we come on and off this medication without any of these effects whatsoever. Everyone is drastically different with this drug. So you may have absolutely none of these experiences. For me, personally, and I like, I think we should talk about side effects and withdrawal stuffs of medication. You know oh, fuck I mean? like, yeah. And of the... Because um, I feel like they're so stigmatised. You know, The like needle it's... guy. The vaccine. <laughs> the needle guy. Oh, good. The fibromyalgia brain fog is truly here, ladies and gents. Um, and everyone... Doesn't mean you shouldn't take um, it. You just need to have expectations. Yeah. I think because I got cocky and I was like, I know how to do this. I know how to wean on and off. I jumped the gun a little bit and like not even by much. Like mm. I jumped the gun maybe by a couple of weeks because it takes like six weeks. They say six weeks every time you jump down, which is a long fucking time. Um, Who has the time? Yeah, so I, who's got the time? No, not what? in this economy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so basically I had one of the scariest like full nervous breakdown situations where like, 
the type of one where like I would I like had to like do a team's call with my manager and at like 10 a.m. and be like hi I've lost grip of reality I need to stop working and she was like okay like it was real bad so anyway that happened and that was pretty full-on and then everything started to stabilize. Um, I'm now, I've stayed on that same dosage. And mm. to be honest, I feel no difference between being on 60 and or being on the 120 that I was on. So like mm. I've come down a full like half, like 100% mm. and it has, I feel totally the same. Um, but yeah, so anyway, like I've, I've stayed on that because I think it, it scared me a little bit too much to try to drop down again. So I'm just going to stay with it for a little bit. Otherwise, I uh, got a new job, which I haven't started yet. You, we um, can't talk about that, though. No, so I can't <laughs> talk about like, where it is. But yeah, so I finished up my five years at SBS um, and I'll be moving on to a new job in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. Taking a week off in between, which I'm oh, very excited about. Congrats. Oh, I'm going to be broke as shit because I've done it. But you know what? It's going to be worth it. I'll just send you um, a bunch of dominoes again. Yes, please. Oh, yeah, that's right. When I had my nervous breakdown, you sent me dominoes. Like way <laughs> too much. Way too much. Way too And like you asked me what I wanted and then uh, not even half an hour later, I saw your message and was like, oh, I'd love this. And you're like, too late. Already sent it. And you sent me like three pizzas, all of these random sides. Like it was I had like could feed a family of four. I yeah. left off that for days. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. You love to see it. We love to see it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Otherwise, I've just been watching a lot of Bones. I've never watched Bones before, but the dude from Buffy is in it, and I, I watch like, a lot oh, of Bones. I watch a lot of Bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I do get like full full boner about the dude that plays really angel he looks like i don't know man to me he looks like a neanderthal i I know he's fully got square head it's not the type of the type of fella i'm usually attracted to but for some reason i've now watched five seasons of bones Mm. and i'm still going absolutely bloody loving it um but anyway, I reckon we should get into some news rather than me talking about how much I want to bone Angel from Buffy. Speaking of people that you don't want to bone, um, <laughs> Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister. Oh, oh, Hopefully oh. not for too much longer, but if I've learned anything, Chloe, it's to not make predictions about anything. God, no. As someone that was working in the media when, like, the Trump hillary clinton election happened and Mm -hmm. everyone was like fully had their headlines ready that clinton was had just won the election and blah 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 like papers were printed and then that happened like as someone in the newsroom oh no why he'll be back (laughs) i just miss him on twitter yeah he was wild on twitter like Like, bitching out people for bleeding from facelifts at like dinner and shit like come on do you remember when he was obsessed with christian stewart Robert Patterson <laughs> and he was just upset and he kept telling Robert Patterson that he was too good for her and she was like cheating on him and shit. It's not it the government anyone wants, but it's what we deserve until the asteroid it's hits true. us. Truly what we deserve in the mm. final moments of the earth collapsing. Mm. This is the chaos that we really do deserve. Yeah. So Scott Morrison, hopefully not for too much longer, but yeah, as I God, I just I don't ever want to say anything and jinx it and like predict it in any way because there's a lot of garbage people in our country. So, mm. Labor wins with minority government and then they switch leaders. Uh, liberals switch leaders to Dutton. That's my prediction. 
Prove yeah. me wrong. Anyway, Fuckface, uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, announced what was described as the biggest funding package ever for endometriosis. Because guess mm. what? His wife, Jen, has it. Isn't it so convenient that even though he could have done something for such a long time about it. this, it's during the election that mm. he goes, oh, my God, my wife is going through this horrific chronic illness. Like, I'm going to do this, this and this. And it's like, um, where... Like, why is this the first we're hearing about it? Like, mm. why has this never been brought up before? Why are you putting all this money in now? Interesting. Intriguing. You could, you, could, you know, do the other things we've been asking you to do, like maybe stop the alleged rapists in your parliament. Mm. Whatever. But, okay, he's announced uh, a $58 million package ahead of the election for pelvic pain clinics, diagnosis, research, and disease management. I might add that the Captain Cook statue that they were planning cost, what, $50 million? 50 mil, yeah. Mm. So, like, you know, just we're worth the same as a colonizer statue, which is sweet shit all. And, like, that's not a lot of, like, in, in the scheme of it's things not. of putting money towards massive things like this, that's not a lot of money. Hey? No, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand. As soon as something's in the millions, my brain fully shuts off and it's like, I don't understand how much money that is. So, yeah. It's not a lot considering like, what like we. Spent on um, submarines, which is one of the biggest wastes um, of money in history. But anyway, the significant funding will deliver a suite of new specialist treatments across every state and territory, uh, including regional and rural areas, areas I believe, um, as part of existing... Which I found really interesting. Yeah. Like, well, the, like how are they going to, like... Are they going to try to put get more specialists into rural areas? Is that what they're planning on doing? Because at the well, moment, getting... it's a, it's a part of existing GP infrastructure because they don't right. have enough to do, um, and it's yeah, it's telehealth as well, which we know is really good for detecting right. endometriosis. Of course, yeah, <laughs> you don't. You can just. I can see right now that you know your your endometriosis is flaring like through the screen. I can just um, stick yeah. my iPhone up there. But anyway, it says. <laughs> Um, so it will include nurses, pain management, allied health dietitians, pelvic physiotherapists, psychologists, educators, um, impacting one in nine Australian women. Mm. This whole situation when this was announced, the Scott Morrison thing, it was just like the binary language of it all. I was just like, oh, God. And then like he follows it up with the trans women in sport. Sorry, continue. So we know it causes um, tissue similar to the lining of the uterus to grow outside the uterus and causes all sorts of fuckery. However, um, in relation to the PM's wife, Jenny Morrison, she spoke openly about her own struggle with the disease, uh, went through the excruciating pain, whatever, whatever. But much of this coverage has focused on fertility and how it thwarted their ability to have children, which makes me sick. Uh, yeah, and it's really upsetting. So many people with endo have gone to doctors and the doctor's been like, oh, just get pregnant. That'll solve your endo. It's like, guys, making that the focus is really sort of, it's just really distressing to so many people with endo and any sort of pelvic pain. Like, mm, <laughs> like mm. yeah. So that's good news, despite it being about fertility and not being enough money. I mean, I'll take a bone where I can get it, am I right? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I'll take anything that they'll, they'll like the little coins and sprinkles that they, they give to us, I'll take it because, you know, we get fuck all else. So, you know what? Fine. 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 Speaking Fine. of uh, lived experiences of illness, I believe you have a... Yeah. There's this 
I found this like really lovely article on Business Insider. I'm pretty sure it's the American one, not the Australian Business Insider. Mm-hmm. But basically, they've done this profile of a therapist that um, has Ella's Danlos. So she's a, I think a psych, like a psychologist. And so she was when she was diagnosed with Ella's Danlos. Apparently, she went through a whole bunch of shit because it was around the start of the pandemic. And so like telehealth sort of started becoming a thing but then she started getting shit from other therapists for basically then starting to put her whole practice around telehealth because her she was obviously experiencing all these symptoms with Ella's Danlos it was she was kind of like this works heaps better like I'm I'm really like my work is so much better like I'm loving it blah 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 and she yeah she copped shit and so anyway I I just found this like the end of the the story has this really lovely um sort of conclusion and I just wanted to read it out and obviously we'll put the link to this in our sh- in the show notes but yeah her name's Jane Mattingly she said when I first started working virtually I got a lot of pushback from other therapists and even family members who couldn't see that I could do real important good work from home it's a different way of working but it's still working I just want people to know that disabled people are not just disabled. I can be disabled and thriving in my career. I can be disabled and cute. I can be disabled and creative. Able-bodied people often see disabled people as tragic figures. And even though tragic things have happened to me, my life is not tragic. I'm happy and successful and full of joy. Both things can be true at once. Uh, just like it really hit me in the feels. And I was mm. like, man, this is so many of us that like, found that the world opened up to us once the virtual working thing started happening with the pandemic Mm -hmm. and we were like we're so much more productive this way I can actually be a part of a workplace and a society and all of these different things and manage my disability and my symptoms and all of that kind of stuff and then to you know being forced to return to work or having the virtual stuff taken away like it is one of those things where it's like, guys, we can do all of this. We can thrive. You just need to provide us access to it. Like, I'm tragic and not full of joy. Look, we're all on a, it's all, it's all, we're all on a journey. <laughs> Mine is not towards joy. Mine is just towards, I would really like a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you feel really like validated in your job, you like what you do for a living. That's so rare within itself. And then being able to manage your disability as well is awesome. So the fact that, people give you shit about it and want to take it away it just oh anyway it was just one of those like lovely stories and it's got all these really lovely images of her as well in like using mo- like her mobility aids and that kind of thing and it just yeah we'll put it in the show notes because it is really really cute and i i encourage you to read it but speaking of work as well and yucky yucky work oh yucky work mm. yeah I must Disability Commission. The Disability Royal Commission, um, mm. as some of you may have heard, has been coming out with some not unexpected findings, yeah. um, including this little nugget. Uh, the Royal Commission hears Australian disability enterprise workers are paid as little as two fifty an hour. I do not understand how that is possible in two thousand twenty two in what is supposed to be like what are we called the lucky country or whatever mm. like how more like the how? fucky country am i right <laughs> <laughs> am i right <laughs> yeah good one good one mm. joe um so yeah like this is the is it 
the guy that um yeah so it's victorian yeah. and greg tucker has been doing manual work That's for the right. past two years packing nappies in a warehouse um they actually told him that uh in the week after he was speaking to the commission his wage will rise to eight dollars and 13 cents an hour wow Um, that is that is about the same as what i was getting when i was working in fast food at the age of like 17 Mm. that is wild like it's wild for that um but he lives with an intellectual disability um, and he's working at a Australian Disability Enterprise, an ADE, um, which is uh, legal. And it's a type of organisation that supports um, employment for people with moderate to severe disability, in scare quotes, yeah. separate from the mainstream, mm. scare quotes, workforce. So there are approximately um, 20,000 people with disability working in these ADEs, including um, 16,000 people with intellectual disability. These ADEs compete for work in industries such as laundry, packing, cleaning, um, and some of them, guess what, are multi-million dollar businesses. So it's actually just supported under the Employment Services Act. So that means that I'm guessing it's subsidized by the government, which is why they can make money and pay people um, this small amount, which is calculated using a number of wage assessment tools, apparently. um, And that decides what proportion of the wage the employee will be paid based on their ability. Right. I see. Hmm. Mm. (laughs) They used to be called um, sheltered workshops, I believe. Um, hopefully. So, yeah, that, that came out, that was the story that came out maybe about a week ago. Yeah, and there's Great reports, story. there's yeah. reports from people that, um, were doing similar stuff when they were called sheltered workshops in the 90s that were getting paid as little as 60 cents an hour for stuff like painting Fuck. and decorating. Yeah. Jesus. I just, I not like, I understand the, like, function the logistics of how these things work and yet still when you say that amount of money to me i just i cannot wrap my head around it Mm. well it doesn't go into the workers pockets it goes into the employers so it functions pretty much like serena russo and stuff like that from what i can Mm. gather um which is disgusting and should be abolished and hopefully these reports and the good work coming out of this commission. I've spoken to um, just anecdotally a bunch of people that have actually submitted um, things mm. to the commission and found it to be a really good process. Well, hopefully it leads to some meaningful change. But as we've seen in yeah. the past, we can like this kind of stuff can get informed um, by really rigorous process and really yeah. good consultation, but it just depends on the government and what their appetite is. Like, I mean, we've seen that f- at, for their respect at work stuff with um, yeah. a lot of the gender stuff that's been going on. But, mm. you know, at least these issues are being talked about. These people's stories are being told at the very yeah. least. I know, like, in these stories at, at the top here, it just feels like I'm going okay, we've been given a bone, hooray, but and, and that yeah. kind of sucks. But I guess celebrating the little victories in these environments is we important. We have to. Yeah, like we've got to do it because, like, you know, it's like inch by inch and eventually we'll get to a mile kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's important to celebrate the win. So, yeah, like you said, I hope meaningful change comes out of this, but I'm just glad stories are being told. Equal pay for equal work, always. 
always. What should we talk about next, Joe? Do you have a little story to tell me, Chloe? <gasps> Maybe I've got a little story to tell you. Yes, so because we have been on a hiatus, um, we've decided that we are going to do both Historically Fully Sick and A Quack Watch in the same episode. Mm-hmm. So, you lucky ducks, I uh, have decided to do my Historically Fully Sick. Joe, I'm about to start watching Bridgerton. Oh um, I've never watched it. <laughs> I've never watched it before, and the only reason I'm going to be watching it is because from what I am seeing people tweet about it, it's um, extremely horny, um, and I would I would like to see it. So <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say um, you're only watching it because, like, mums have been talking about horny. how horny it is. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to watch it and just be like, is that it? But, like, you know. And anyway, just, like, log back on to, like, um, Pornhub. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just going to go back to my, you know, bizarre Pornhub video that I was watching. So, yeah, anyway, I'm about to start watching Bridgerton. So I've decided to do Historically Fully Sick um, this episode about King George III, who is a character in Bridgerton. um, And he is known as the king that lost America. Mm. Um, Could someone lose them again, please? (laughs) I know. I would love it if they went. I would love to see it. Um, So he's also known as the... And by the way, uh, content warning, there is going to be a lot of like ableist slurs in this because the way that things were referred to back in King George's time are not the way that we would refer to them now. So Mm. content warning, there will be some ableist slurs in this historically fully sick. So yes, as well as being the king that lost America, he is also known as the Mad King um, because he lived with chronic illness and had what people at the time called episodes. Mm, um, Same queen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) go off, (laughs) go off king. When it, when, you, when it says for episodes, for some reason I think of, like, people that are going through menopause that are having hot flushes. Yeah, yeah, hot like flushes, that's yeah. How, yeah. <laughs> that's what I feel like that sounds like. But anyway, so we had what people called episodes, and people have speculated and argued about what conditions King George III had um, for years, ever since he died. Um, and there's been a study done about it as recently as 2010. Like, mm. that's how long people have been thinking about this. So, yeah, the King George III that's in Bridgerton, um, if you need, like, a better idea of, like, historical timeline in your head, the same – the King George that's in British Bridgerton is the same King George that's in Hamilton. So he's the King Another thing I hate. Sorry. Oh, no. I actually um, – I'm a musical fucking – Oh, I can't I'm stand it. No. Yeah, I no. don't like Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda or whatever. It sounds like the, the worst mm-hmm. shit, dude. Like – Oh my god, someone <laughs> is rapping about history. Sign me yeah. up. It's like something I was forced to like listen to at school. Yeah. What about someone that would nurse. like took extra his- extra history classes and also majored in like history and linguistics at uni? Yeah, this is 100% my shit. I am very sorry. Um so yeah, same King George in Hamilton and Bridgerton. So he's the king that lost America because he was the head of state during um, the War of American Independence, which is what Hamilton is about. And there was he was 
in charge of, he was head of state during all these other upheavals like the Industrial Revolution, um, the Seven Year War with France. Mm. Um, but despite these being part of these like enormous moments in history that largely revolved around him, somehow his most lasting legacy is about his health and chronic illness, which mm. is wild to me. Yeah, usually um, it's like hidden in in a lot of the historical figures yeah. we talk about. The reason they produce their work or their, mm. I don't know, philosophies or whatever, in the case of, let's say, Marx or Charles Darwin or whatever, they mm. were um, sick and had all this time to write and think and stuff. Yeah. So I think the reason he's referred to as the Mad King is because his episodes, in air quotes, uh, um, work couldn't be hidden. It's wild to think about as well because it must have all been like word of mouth and that kind of stuff because it's mm. not like televisions existed back then. It's not like he was on TV having these like wild rants like Donald Trump did. He just was chronically ill. Um, and yeah, people called him the Mad King because he would have these things. So... Basically, he was always thought to have suffered this condition, which I think I'm going to be mispronouncing. Porphyria. It's mm. P-O-R-P-H-Y-R-I-A. He was previously thought to have suffered this condition, porphyria. And researchers, but researchers now believe that King George III had bipolar. So for years and years and years, they thought that he had the, this, um, yeah, porphyria. So I will explain what it is first. So porphyria is a blood disorder that causes symptoms like anxiety, restlessness, insomnia, confusion, mm. paranoia, and hallucinations. Angry blood. Yeah. And so it is. it affects your nervous system, your skin, your liver, and complications with it can even cause paralysis. But the most common thing that people saw from King George was him having these, like, episodes of mania where he was, like, hallucinating and, like, just, you know, like... He was having bouts of mania, so now they think it's he was just bipolar. Well, not mm. just bipolar. Bipolar is a difficult disease, not downplaying that. But, yeah, it's for years and years they thought it was this. And it's a genetic blood disorder as well. So most types of porphyria are inherited from one or both of a person's parents and are due to a mutation in one of the genes that makes heme, which is the precursor to hemoglobin in your blood. Wait, wait, wait. So, so this disease is real or it's a yeah. medieval thing i think it is real um i think a lot of it is different these days like mm. the, a lot of the symptoms and how it's obviously how it's treated and that kind of stuff but yeah it's real it's a genetic mutation that is yeah it affects heme which is the, wow. the scientific precursor to hemoglobin so weird that um the like a royal person would have oh, weird genetic mutation I was actually, oh, God, my light just fell over. Um, I was actually going to say, like, doing Historically Fully Six on royalty is, like, always such a gamble. Oh, they have all of these genetic conditions? Dude, I went on, like, a (laughs) massive Wikipedia hole on one of my bouts of insomnia on this stuff. You have the wildest bouts of insomnia. There's some of the messages. Listeners, some of the messages I get from Joe are, like, I'll wake up at 8 a.m. and I'll just have pages and pages of messages where she's been up at like 3 a.m in some wikipedia the darkness Mm -hmm. of the bottom of wikipedia Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's in the hell of wikipedia yeah all right so tell me the tell me about the dark hole tell tell me about well i'm trying to find this particular um uh let me just have a look this is great for an oral medium yeah i know (laughs) 
I think he was a king of Spain or something. Hang on. Oh. Oh, probably drank a bunch of sangria. I don't know. It was Charles II. Oh, God. Okay. Can you please look up a picture of him if you can find it? The paintings. What did you say? Charles Charles II of Spain. Known as the Bewitched. Oh. They usually like a... They usually make the paintings like a bit more. Uh... Yeah, he fully looks like a Picasso painting. Mm. Habsburg jaw. Mm. So is that a genetic condition? Like chronic? Is it chronic illness? Like it's got symptoms, or is it just? Yeah. So um, it, there was he was so. Guys, you were getting too historically fully sick. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I so. Love it. I- a physical jaw, so car- uh, so common to both Spanish and Austrian Habsburgs, a contemporary reported that this was so pronounced in Charles that he swallowed his food without thoroughly chewing, which resulted in frequent Whoa. stomach problems. He couldn't really talk. As in he swallowed things whole? Like yeah, a duck? Yeah, yeah. Um, they described him, uh, warning for this language, short, lame, epileptic, senile, and completely bald with a th- before 35, always on the verge of death, but repeatedly baffling Christendom by continuing to live. Whoa. Like, oh, look, I just found this. So Charles extent experienced extended periods of ill health throughout his life, and from the moment he became king at the age of three, yeah. his, the succession was a prominent consideration in politics. Historian John Langdon Davies summarised his life as follows. Of no man is it more true to say that in his beginning was his end. From mm. the day of his birth, they were waiting for his death. Mm. Whoa! That is morose. Morose. So he had the same inbreeding as apparently two, like as if two siblings had mm. um, produced him. Yeah, sunken mid face. Yeah. Um, he's, so it, he's the same as King George III, where like this sentence, he is best remembered for his physical disabilities and the War of the Spanish Spanish Succession. Like, mm. why is his health the thing that is remembered before, like, this massive moment in history? Well, wow. neither jaw. Okay. He has a ravenous stomach and swallows all he eats whole, for his nether jaw stands so much out that his two rows of teeth cannot meet. Whoa. That must be really. Well, that must have been really hard to manage. Wow. Poor dude. Anyway, on the verge of death, but repeatedly baffling Christendom by continuing to live. Mm, same. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Big same. Anyway, Big same. that's the um, that's the uh, that's the, that's the side note. Yeah. That's the a tangent. Okay. All right. So, yes, King George. So this periphery thing, the blood, um, the blood genetic condition. This the one of the most interesting things that I found out about is. It's co- also called the vampire disease Whoa. because people people often get the symptoms of it after being exposed to sunlight. So apparently, apparently periphery has been suggested as an explanation for the origin of the vampire and werewolf legends it, like in history because it's based upon uh, certain perceived similarities between the condition and the folklore. So like... People had this condition, walked down the sun, got blisters and stuff all over them, and people thought they were vampires. And that's how vampires were created, apparently. I think my friend has this. 
She can't go out in the sun. She gets blisters from the sun and it's like a blood thing. Yeah. Yeah, it okay. It is. That's, oh, that's peripheral. Wow. So the other, so the reason that they thought George had this was because he obviously had the sort of like hallucination, um, like bouts of like paranoia and confusion, all of that kind of stuff and the anxiety sort of side of things. Um, so history claims that he had all of those symptoms, but the diagnosis that he had peripheral was largely based on the trademark symptom of the illness, which is where your urine is blue or purple. What? He just didn't eat beets yeah. or something? No, did not eat any beets. His uh, urine was blue. Mm. So, but, um, so how wonderful is that, Joey? Uh, you, for you and your pisshead fans, we have <laughs> no side of uh, piss, uh, blue piss. So enjoy Enjoy that. I love putting little piss anecdotes in things. Uh, oh, thank you. I was, I was going for our notes before I realized we hadn't talked about urine therapy in a while. So wonder yeah, what, uh, blue, we should really do it. He should have bottled it and sold it as some sort of. Yeah, like blue, the blue gin kind of thing that's coming in now. That's a, a trend. Bottle anyway, so sapphire's you, been a thing for years, you creep. That's just the bottle. Oh, right. The gin itself is clear. Oh, oh whatever. Shut up. <laughs> Drink, drink some gin once in your life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, new research suggests, however, that King George's blue urine may not have been caused by peripheral at all, but by one of the king's prescribed medications for something else, which contained a flower that's known to cause urinary discoloration. So mm. because he had all of the other symptoms and his urine was blue, they thought he had peripheral. But in actual fact, people now think that he had bipolar and one of his medications for something else was causing the blue urine. Oh, it's like when they give people mercury back in the old days for stuff and then go, oh, my mm. God, you're really sick in some other way. Totally. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like this has happened to so many people with chronic illness as well, where like they base your entire diagnosis off of one symptom that you've told them. And you're like, hey, maybe you could look at this holistically and like all of the different things I'm going through because I feel like they're connected. And the doctor's like, no. Only this. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I've been sick recently, so my voice is just starting to come back. <coughs> um, <laughs> noises. Um, all right. So the studies that have concluded that um, he actually had bipolar have been, and this is, again, appealing to my uh, words, linguistic nerd fantasy. Oh, la-di-da. Uh, I'm going to... Just have to bash yeah, next buff. time I see you. Thank you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I never see you. Um, I know, you never see me, so it's an empty threat. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the studies that have concluded that he actually had bipolar have been done almost wholly based on language and linguistic patterns. So mm. uh, Dr. Peter Garrard and Dr. Vas- Vasiliki Rentaumi from St. George's University in London made the conclusion from analysing thousands of G- King George III's own handwritten letters. They've discovered that during his episodes of his illness, his sentences were much longer than when he was well. This is, uh, and there was a bunch of other linguistic patterns, which I won't go into because it's, it's interesting to me, but I don't think it'll be super interesting to anything, anyone else because it is in depth. Um, anyway, so all of these language patterns, they've discovered um, these are the features that can be seen today in the writing and speech of patients that are experiencing an, a manic phase of psychiatric illnesses such as bipolar. So the, st- the other part of the study is also based on witness accounts that witnessed George um, III having these, these episodes. 
um, and they spoke of his incessant loquacity and his habit of talking until the foam ran out of his mouth. Sometimes he suffered from convulsions and his pages had to sit on him to keep him safe on the floor. So he would just talk until he vomited, basically, and then convulse and they would have to sit on him. Um, These so, days you yeah. have a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at us right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's all of these things. They're like these are all features of of bipolar, and he was also taking this thing, this medication with this flower in it, which could explain the blue piss. Mm. So it's, I think it's just absolutely wild that it's as recent as twenty ten that it, like that link that linguistic study was done. So it's like people well, are still trying to figure this shit out, which Chloe. is more more time and energy than anyone's put into my diagnosis. That's let's just say that you just complained <laughs> about my notes for the show. Guess what I got diagnosed with at the age of 19? Just putting it out what? there. Bipolar disorder. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I didn't, I didn't think I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, that's the least of my worries. Yeah, I've got shit going on, fine. <laughs> It's fine. So anyway, um, after reading all of this about King George III, I, which is obviously super appealing to me, history nerd, all of that kind of stuff, but I am slightly wary about delving into Bridgerton now because I'm wary that there's like going to be a shit ton of ableism involved mm. in all of this. Mm. Um, but I did read apparently that because of the like years and years of debate over his um, his diagnosis and conditions, they actually when they deal with his condition in the show they actually just don't refer to what it is like i think you see it but they don't actually like name it unlike um blackadder right it's the same person isn't it i don't know it's been years since i've seen yeah it's been years since i've seen blackadder hugh laurie in blackadder i think i think it's the same yeah they I don't know people can fill me in on this but he's 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 prince uh, the regent, so that means I think he's going to be king and he's George. Hi, Joe is wrong. It is not Hugh Laurie's character. It is his father. Please do not write into the show because we don't actually care. Cheers. As well. Mm. And they're constantly making jokes about him being like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's been so... It's, I actually really would like to rewatch. Um. Oh my god, you Blackout. should. I love Blackadder. Well, that I watch. I, Oi, do you know the historically sick <laughs> theme is Blackadder? Is it really? Yes. Oh my god. It's been so long since I've seen it. Okay, I love that. Yay! Oh my god, relevant. It's the Blackadder um, theme. Do you, do you know what I rewatched recently as well? Or is what? The thick of it? Oh my god, my favorite show. I Mal- Malcolm. Love t- the thick of it. Malcolm Tucker Malcolm is Tucker. like my dream <laughs> man. They're playing fucking pin the cock on a fucking donkey's face with your face there because you're the fucking donkey, right? So you should just fucking count your blessings. Good holiday. Shut up, you fucking hairdresser. Got any photos? I'll get a photo of you in a minute with your cult nailed to the desk. Hey. It taught me how to swear, that show. I swear to God, it taught me how to swear at such a young age. I was like, oh, amazing. Mm. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I'm wary that there's going to be ableism involved in this. and especially because, like, if they're going to just skate around the condition, like, I don't know if they show his symptoms or, like, mania or... It's it's weird because, like, in Hamilton, he was pictured as this, like, vindictive, like, pompous... <laughs> like, a, pom- a pompous king that just didn't give a shit about them and that's why they were trying to revolt. Whereas, like, I think in this, he's, like... Basically, and I hate to say this, but, like, he he's kind of looked at as a bit pathetic because mm. he's 
chronically ill, which I'm a bit wary of. But anyway, I'll find out soon. Yeah, listeners, call in about Bridgerton and whether you reckon there's ableism, ahoy. And Please uh, don't call in about Bridgerton. Please do not. Or whether it's dealt with respectfully. But also, I think the message of all of this is fuck the monarchy. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Fuck him off. Bugger them off. Anyway, I would now, I've, I've now getting to the stage where my voice is cutting out a little bit. So I would love to hear a story. Joey, do you have a story for me? It's pretty long. I'm sorry, but it is so ridiculous. This is going to be a long episode, guys. We've been on, we've been on um, hiatus. So just deal with the fact this is going to be a long episode. Uh, Okay. Whatever. Tune out. Don't give a shit. I've been wanting to talk about this person for a really long time and we just never got around to it because it's quite a long story. Um, But it's totally relevant to the history of medicine and a lot of the bullshit we experience and a whole slice of history that a lot of people don't know about. Okay. Okay. This is a history-heavy episode and I'm loving it. So this is a historically quackwatch thing, I guess. Like, it it explains a lot about quackery in the modern age, I feel. So, John Romulus Brinkley Jr. was born to John Richard Brinkley, a poor mountain man who practiced medicine in North Carolina and served as a medic for the Confederate States Army during the American Civil War. John Mm. Jr.'s dad married four women... As was the style of the time. Uh, like not at, at the, the same, same time. No, not at the same time. <laughs> I was like, Mormonism? Where, where no, is this no, going? No, 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 no. It's going lots of places. One of them was oh, named God. Sarah T. Mingus, right? Sarah Mingus mm. had a niece called Sarah Burnett who moved into the house and, yep, had a baby with her uncle by marriage and 20 years her senior. Of she, course. Of course. She named her son after his father and after Romulus, the mythical twin suckled by wolves and the co-founder of Rome, as you do. Mm, As one does. The younger Sarah died of pneumonia and tuberculosis when Brinkley Jr. was five, leaving her aunt Sarah and uncle baby daddy John Sr. to raise the baby. Cool. Cool beans. <laughs> um, the kid grew up Love in it. pretty vicious poverty, often at the age of 10, but got a job as a mail carrier when he was 16. His real passion, though, was medicine. Oh, God. With a stable career in the telegraph service, in 1907, Brinkley Jr. settled with his wife in Chicago, where they celebrated the birth of a daughter. The new father enrolled in Bennett Medical College, an uncredited school with questionable curriculum. <laughs> Man in a garage, that's all that is. <laughs> Pretty much. Focused right. on eclectic medicine. As a side note, this term was coined by Constantine Samuel Raffinesque, a botanist uh, and Transylvania University professor who had studied Native American use of medicinal plants, wrote and lectured extensively on herbal medicine and advised patients and solved remedies by mail. It is worth noting after local body snatching led to the notorious resurrection riot of 1839, the Eclectic Medical Institute in Medellin. That was a big sentence. Yeah. That was, was, can you just say that sentence again? That was a lot. Okay. Okay. So we had the professor. Body snatching riot. Yes, yes, yes. Um, It is worth noting that after local body snatching led to the notorious resurrection riot of 1839, the Eclectic Medi- 
Medical Institute. People are just in the street being like, can we just stop that? Otherwise, we're going to riot. <laughs> Please stop, like, digging up graves. Anyway, this, sorry, continue. The Eclectic Medical Institute in Worthington, Ohio school was evicted from the city and sent, settled back in Cincinnati, right? So that gives you a background of the medical uh, education we're talking mm. about. Anyway, yes, it sounds really good, and he should definitely be uh, treating people. Yeah. Dur- during the study, he was introduced. Brinkley Jr. was introduced to the study of glandular e- extracts and their effects on the human system. He determined that this new field would help move his career forward. He needed it because he was going into enormous amounts of debt due to his wife's whims, whatever that means. Oh, his wife! His <laughs> wife going, hey. Can, can we please have some food? <laughs> or maybe she was really upmarket and she just wanted lots of fancy dresses. Who knows? Her whims. Her Divorce, whims. reuniting with his wife, kidnapping his own children, moving around heaps and all sorts of stable person stuff. Turns out Brinkley was unable to pay the medical college the tuition he owed them, so they refused to forward his scholastic records to any of the medical schools that Brinkley Jr. had approached. Instead, Brinkley bought a certificate from a shady diploma mill, it gets worse, known as the Kansas City Eclectic Medical University and returned home to Chicago. Eclectic medicine makes it sound so fun. Medicine is facts. It is science. Eclectic medicine makes it sound like it's a kind of a party. It makes it sound like uh, Splendor in the Grass or something. Yeah, it's the Coachella of medicine. Like, it is, that's what it sounds like. Anyway, sorry, continue. In 1913, Brinkley set up a storefront business in South Carolina with a man named James E. Crawford. The two opened their shop, uh, known as the Greenville Electromedic Doctors, and placed advertisements to attract men who were... Now cons- that is the Coachella <laughs> of doctors. Electro doctors? Fuck yeah. 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 Oh yeah, in the in the boiler room, I love it. <laughs> Where do you hear this bit? Um, they placed advertisements to attract men who were concerned about their manly vigor. They injected colored water into their patients at twenty five dollars a shot, which is seven hundred dollars. What did you say? Colored. Colored water, like water with dye in it. What and like pretended like it was some special medicine? Yeah, and charged people seven hundred dollars. <gasps> Oh my days. <laughs> and they told them it was electric medicine from Germany. Holy. Yeah, that is like, what's that club in Germany that it's hard to get into? And it's like the most iconic club in Berlin. Do I fucking know? That sounds like a fucking I don't nightmare. Know. Berg, Berghahn or something, whatever it is. Um, yeah, no, that sounds like full boiler room, electro, like German trance dance like <laughs> that's a, why yeah that's that's um i don't like it i don't mm. love it <laughs> colored water don't My care God. for it either and neither did the townspeople so good. After, <laughs> good for them <laughs> after two months the pair hurriedly left town with unpaid rent utility bills and debts for clothing and pharmaceutical supplies uh, apparently 30 to 40 merchants were left with unpaid checks. So after that, our friend Brinkley got married again and then got accused of being a bigamist by his first, first wife, because he was. Mm. He then moved yeah. to Kansas City, where a lot of this story will take place. He enrolled right. in that city's eclectic medical university to finish his last remaining year of the edu- education he started at Bennett. 
you're putting coloured water in people, man. How much more is there to learn about this shit? Mm. Like, it's... <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> after studying the irritations and enlargements of the prostate gland in elderly men, same, babe, mm. and paying the university $100, which is $2,700 in our current value, he graduated mm. and his diploma allowed him to practice medicine in eight states. <laughs> He, 1915. Yeah, Damn. not good. Damn not good, a good year for yeah. medicine. <laughs> yeah. um, so that year he took a job as a doctor for the Swift and Company plant, patching minor wounds and studying animal physiology. It was here that Brinkley learned that popular opinion held that the healthiest animal slaughtered at the plant was the goat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know where we're going with this? No. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared though. I feel like my palms are sweaty. Mum's spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. In 1918, Brinkley opened a 16 room clinic in Kansas where he won over the locals immediately by paying good wages, invigorating local economy, and making house calls on patients afflicted with the virulent and deadly outbreak of the 1918 flu pandemic. Was he actually treating yes. the flu? I suppose you, I suppose you can't. Technically, oh, back then they thought that it was herbs and all of that kind of stuff. Right? Resoundingly positive reviews at that time about nursing flu victims back to health. Perhaps he should have stuck to it because one of his patients one day came to him to ask if he could fix his sexual weakness. Oh, dear. Brinkley responded by joking that the patient would have no problem if he had a pair of those buck goat lands in you the patient then begged brinkley to try the operation which brinkley did for 150 dollars the patient's son later told the kansas city star that brinkley had in fact offered to pay his father handsomely if he'd go along with this experiment oh dear at his clinic brinkley began to perform more operations he claimed would restore male virility and fertility through implanting the testicular glands of goats yeah, horny goat weed, all of that. That's where it comes from. Oh. oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. Yep, I see. I see where we're going here. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> at the time, this would cost people $750, which is $10,000 in current dollars. Holy balls. Mm, wow. Literally. Literally. Following one of his crude operations, the body of a patient would typically absorb the goat tissue as foreign matter. The goat gonads failed to engraft into the body as they were simply placed within the human male testicle sac or the abdomen yeah. of a woman near the ovaries. Sorry about the binary well, it's, language it's, there. It's essentially like um, like a transplant. If you don't do all the correct things and treat that properly, which they wouldn't have at the time with transplants anyway, like that, you, your body rejects it and you it's, get really sick and you die. Like, it's just like it's just like shoveling. It's just like opening somebody up and just throwing baked beans in there or something. Just like being like, oh, this heart sucks. I'm going to give you a new heart. Just shove it in there and then I'm sure it'll, it'll all hook up to the right places. Exactly. No worries. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Oh, dear. He began promoting goat glands as a cure for 27 ailments, ranging from dementia to emphysema to flatulence. What? Yep. What? Those are three separate parts of the body. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. 
He started oh a direct male blitz and hired an advertising agent who helped Brinkley portray his treatments as turning hapless men into the ram that am with every lamb. Whoa. That was a sentence. Mm. <laughs> that was a sentence. Okay, yep. His burst of publicity and his stratospheric claims attracted the attention of the American Medical Association, which sent an agent to the mm. clinic to investigate undercover. This agent... It, it, it took them too long to do that. Come on, uh, fam. <laughs> Get hopping on that. So this agent found a woman hobbling around in the clinic who had been given goat ovaries as a cure for a spinal cord tumour. What? Hadn't removed the tumour, had just given her goat ovaries? Yep. Wowzer. Yep. All right, so she was hobbling around, like, in the, in the foyer, like, in yeah. the foyer, just hobbling yeah. about, yep. Yep. And the agent's like, mm, that seems bad. That seems bad. Yeah. Um, from then on, he was on the AMA's radar, no shit, including catching the eye of the doctor who would eventually be responsible for his downfall, a hero of the story, a man called Morris Fishbean. <laughs> In this house, we love and stand Morris Fishbean. We... <laughs> it might be Fishbein, but I'm choosing to pronounce it Fishbean. Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah, you're not wrong on that front. While in Los Angeles doing whatever the fuck he did, mm. Brinkley Jr. toured a radio station. He immediately saw the power radio held as an advertising and marketing medium and resolved to build his own to promote his services, even though at the time advertising on public airways was very much discouraged. By 1923, he had enough capital to build KF. KB, Kansas first, Kansas best, or sometimes wow. Kansas folks know best using a one kilowatt transmitter. So basically he started a podcast to, to push his opinions on people. To push I, his opinion on balls, yes. I don't know her. I just don't know her. Yeah, I don't, I don't okay. know. <laughs> In 1924, yeah. a grand jury in San Francisco handed down 19 indictments to people responsible for conferring fake medical degrees. When, is, when you say fake medical degrees, do you mean like they just made it up or do you mean that the eclectic medicine, those, those places? Are they fake medical degrees? Both the places and the doctors. So the reason why he came to the attention as one of those 19 people is because he applied for a California medical license um, and they were like nice fake medical degree. Yeah. And that, so some agents from California came to arrest him and were like, nah, fam. And the governor yeah. of Kansas refused to extradite him because he made the state too much money. Oh, no. oh no. <laughs> cause he like revitalized their economy. They're like, mm, we'll give him a pass. Yes. <laughs> no, nothing has money changed. Makes after this, he went on his little radio station to talk shit about the American Medical Association and our hero. It's always the best way to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Fishbean. Talk shit and get hit on a podcast. Yeah. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Fishbean at this point had started giving speeches and writing articles for the Journal of the American Medical Association, deriding Brinkley and his treatments as quackery. However... Yeah. The gland business, the ball business, made more money than ever and had begun attracting patients from around the globe. Brinkley spoke on the radio for hours on end each day, promoting his goat treatments. 
He shamed, cajoled, appealed to everyone's egos and their desire to become more sexually active. And in between these advertisements, his new station featured a variety of entertainment, including military bands, French French lessons, astrological forecasts, storytelling, and exotica such as Native Hawaiian songs, American roots music, including old-time string band gospel and early country music. Wow. That is a lot I feel like I feel like he just made a list of random things and just went I'm gonna put it all on the radio at the same time to that's be honest I, I would listen yeah that sounds right yeah mm. I'm cool. <laughs> so he, yeah. he got he got cashed up from this and the town in Kansas he was living in um got heaps of shit as a result so he paid for a new mm. sewage system sidewalks installed electricity built a bandstand apartments for his patients and employees a new post office what? And he was named an admiral in the Kansas Navy and sponsored a hometown baseball team called the Brinkley Goats. Oh, my God. Imagine. Like, you're playing and your whole... Is Go the, the Goats! Got like a ball. Yeah, it's just a pair of testicles. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Wild. So, basically, he was like, I need to prove myself. I'm just going to be like, look how good I am for the community. And then you, I can't get in trouble. Yes. Do you reckon? Yeah. 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 Love that. Great. Um, During this period, he started a new radio segment called Medical Question Box, where he would read listeners' medical complaints over the air. Same. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And suggest proprietary treatments. Of course, they were only available at a network of pharmacies that were members of the Brinkley Pharmaceutical Association. Mm. So it's, oh my God, it's like the Dear Dolly Doctor thing that's like you write in with your like issues and the, in the magazine it's answered one time that. yeah one time i read one that, that said i have ants coming out of my vagina every single one of those you're just like i know that some badly paid intern at bauer media or whatever it was is just making up these random sexual things pretending to be like 12 year old girls <laughs> like, one time when i was 13 i got a dolly magazine and for younger readers, magazines are things where things on the internet were <laughs> printed on bits pages. of paper. In very sort of like short little books. Yes. <laughs> Defaced it, called it anti-feminist, sent it back and they sent me a bunch of beauty products. Wow. Because mm. that's, that's what the feminist needs. She mm-hmm. just needs to wax her eyebrows and then everything, mm-hmm. she'll, she'll calm down. Wow, that's, I I love, I actually really love that story. Yeah. So anyway, these affiliated pharmacies sold his shitty treatments over the counters at really um, inflated prices, sending a portion of the profit back to Brinkley, keeping the rest. And it's estimated that this generated $14,000 in profit weekly for Brinkley or about 11 million per year. Whoa. So Richard Swindler. Oh my gosh. How is there not a Netflix series about this? Like I think they might be making something. But these medicines um were mostly garbage water or like water with dye in it and they would make people sicker and they a lot of doctors in the area would just see people that were getting sicker from this stuff, whatever. Absolutely. Because basically it's just like he's putting like blue dye and stuff and being like a magical potion. Like that's wild (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah okay yep so finally the kansas medical board investigated my guy in 1930 
and he was found to have signed 42 death certificates for people who had not showed up to his clinic sick. Now that's the stuff, the ones he signed. What, he signed death certificates for people that were alive, like hadn't died? No, 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 they rocked up. There were nothing wrong with them at his clinic. Oh my God. And yeah. he'd, he'd admitted that he'd killed them. If we look at the wow. maths, he aimed to have been doing these operations to, thir um, he claims to have been doing these operations 30 to 40 people a week. Um, mm. It's estimated he killed 30% of people. That's so many people. And was doing Holy it for about shit. a decade. Holy shit. Mm. Holy shit. Mm. That is, how, yeah, there should be like movies and stuff about this, like, that is a serial killer. That's a serial killer. I know. Oh my god. Mm. Holy holy fuck. He Love finally this. lost his medical license in Kansas and 6 months later his broadcasting license. So wow. guess what he did next, Chloe? Move states and started doing the same thing again. No. What else do you do if you're a shitty charlatan businessman? I don't know. Start a new business selling something else. No, bitch, you run for government. Oh, <laughs> of course. What's the most, yeah, the most obvious, uh, if you've got to change industry is the most obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, you're going to become a sh like shady politician. So yeah, you can yeah. make change at the top. Yeah. So next he decided Ooh, to run for governor because he was a pissed off, dangerous charlatan who wanted his... And not just... And not just like some low-level politician, governor. Governor, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. He wanted to continue his reign of terror unabated. And thank fuck he didn't win. And <coughs> he actually would have had the attorney, attorney general at the time not required his name to be specifically written as J.R. Brinkley on the ballot. That's how they stopped wow. him. Wow. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next, this bitch decides to move to Mexico where he can broadcast his Goebbels bullshit with impunity. Okay, so I was right. Politics it, first. If that fails, then you just go to Mexico. So okay. he was like, to two of his like junior doctors, you can be in charge of my Kansas balls sack surgery. Mexico, here I come. So yeah, he's they just like, enjoy this like dead pile of shit that's in ashes and like you know i've burned to hell i'm gonna go but well people this, was uh, this people were still getting it so what? it's not just the people that he operated on that like he practice yeah he had other people doing this as well so Holy shit. we're possibly talking about that. like thousands of people that died from this oh more, yeah tens mm. of thousands potentially if he was doing it for 10 years that's uh, wow. Okay. That is of so many people. Oh, I know. Shit. The Mexican government granted him a 50,000 watt, uh, kilowatt, I think, broadcasting license, which was nicknamed the Border Blaster, which was soon upgraded to a million watts, making his station XER the most powerful radio station on the planet. What? How does this guy keep doing this shit and just like getting these wins time after time mm -hmm. holy this you were not lying when you were just like i'm not going to tell you anything about this story before i start because i want you to react in real time and it is long and very wild you can see why i took a while to do this one yeah for sure i'm glad you did because this is like what what a bizarre and in you know full-on history oh my god i'm a very overwhelmed i'm very overstimulated right now it gets a lot it gets more 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I'm going to have a panic attack. I know, I know. Ugh. So he continues his own old radio format of medical advice key to advertising products. Male listeners were offered an array of expensive concoctions, which included um, mercurochrome injections. I'm not sure what that is. Sounds like mercury. Mm, no. Yeah, um, I was about to say. I think it might have been to cure um, herpes infection. No, syphilis injections at the time, if I remember. Um, and pills, all designed to help them regain their sexual prowess. At the clinic in the hotel where he lived, he also performed prostate operations. He began selling airtime to other advertisers at $1,700 an hour, which is $27,000 in current value, giving rise to new hucksters shilling products such as crazy water crystals, genuine simulated diamonds, life insurance, and an array of religious paraphernalia, including what was purported to be autographed pictures of Jesus Christ. Whoa. That is, that is quite a variety of things. (laughs) That's a lot of things. Okay, yeah. So on a clear night, his bullshit could be heard as far away as Canada from Mexico. Whoa, yeah, okay. According... He was getting out out there. Yeah. According to accounts of the time, the signal was so strong that it turned on car headlights, made bed springs hum, and caused broadcast to bleed into telephone conversations. Local residents claimed to not need a radio to hear his station, with ranchers claiming that they received it through their metal fences and in their dental appliances. What? You know how they're like, um, conspiracy theorists are like, oh, they're putting like backwards messages into our like... Messages through my fillings in my teeth. Yeah. That's how this kind of shit comes from. Totally. Holy, yeah. Okay. This fence is picking up this radio station. That's bizarre (laughs) your fence shouldn't do that i guess it's vibrations the same way like kind of record players work in a way yeah and like metal Mm -hmm. yeah yeah right yeah very very strange very weird but in 1938 real doctor and our friend from the Mm -hmm. journal of the american medical association morris fishbean fishbean wrote a series of articles exposing his quackery Brinkley promptly sued for libel and lost. This. Wow. It's very mm-hmm. Peter Dutton of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. won, didn't he? Yep. This... No, but I'm saying like just doing it. Like, oh, yeah. Being like, oh, my God, you're telling the truth about me? I hate this. How I'm rude. Defamation. Yeah. Um, this instigated a flurry of lawsuits, investigations of mail fraud, and the attention of the IRS who nabbed old mate for tax fraud. The U.S. and Mexico reached an agreement on bandwidth and shut down the radio station. Brinkley then suffered three heart attacks and the amputation of one of his legs due to poor circulation. Wow, maybe he should have just put some goat balls in himself and then he'd be fine. Mm. So he died in... I'm sure that would, like, cure it, (laughs) according to him. He died on May the 26th, 1942, of heart failure, completely penniless. His grave was defaced in early 2017. Took you long enough. The winged angel atop the column marking his grave was cut off and stolen. A postscript to this is that his border blaster station, which featured a bunch of country and roots music, like the Carter family, June Carter Cash, um, Johnny Cash's wife and 
amazing mm. musician in her own right, is generally acknowledged as launching country music to such a widespread audience in such a large amount of rural areas of America. Wow. Mm. That is ties to like quackery in that kind of era are so interesting where it's just like, oh yeah, this thing was born from mm. this horrible situation, but it's... Oh, yeah, that's really weird. That's really mm. weird. So in between okay. these, like, medical segments, he was playing all these country music artists, and because the because of his need to promote his yeah. bullshit so, so far with this, like, powerful radio signal, all these, mm. like, small towns in America, all these, like, farm, rural kind of areas heard country music and, like, yeah. all this other shit for the first time. And that's why wow. it's still so proliferated in those areas. Wow. Mm. That is wild. I know. I had no idea. I know. So it's like he was the Malcolm McLaren kind of thing of, like, putting this entire cultural stamp of music even though it was just he was basically trying to fill the airwaves in between his like sermons, his yeah, sermons, exactly. Holy, holy shit! Mm. That's yeah, wild. I know that is what a story. The last abs- nice fact I'm going to give you is that mm. um, he became a full-on Nazi supporter before he died. The end. <laughs> of course he did. My God, how, how I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed. And he was, uh, he died in 1942 as well, so he would have died a Nazi. So, you know yeah. what? Fuck you, man. Burn in hell. Burn in hell. <laughs> oh, no. See you in hell from cool hell. Yeah, exactly. We'll be in the VIP area being the cool people, but, the, you know, naughty people. He'll be in the Hitler bad hell area. Until I see him, oh, no, never till I meet him in heaven above. Um, because this has been a very long episode due to my historically fully sick and Joey's absolutely unbelievable but extensive uh, historical quack watch, <laughs> a very historical episode. Um, because of that and because we've been on hiatus and all of that kind of stuff, we're going to save our Spoonie Hotlines for next episode and we're just going to play a bunch of them. So uh, please remember that you uh, can contact us and send us a Spoonie hotline at any point in time by emailing a voice memo to chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com or you can send us an email and we're happy to read it out for you. Whatever you prefer, let us know your access requirements. We're happy to to work around it and work with you on it. Those can be anything that you want to say. They can be rants, poems, questions medical experiences uh little stories keep it to under five minutes is probably best tell us your also remember that you can tell us uh happy stories like stories of disabled and chronically ill joy we love to hear that too so anything really like we just want to hear your your lived experiences your stories oh sex stuff do it oh we love sex stuff hell yeah hell yeah (laughs) yeah like we said if you want to uh create a voice memo if you want us to read something out for you just let us know uh chuck us an email at chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com so um we're going to finish off this episode with a uh lovely poem from our poet lorikeet jamila main
Hi everyone, um, it's Jamila, the poet Laura Kate. Uh, thank you to Joe and Chloe for asking me to write another poem for Spoonie Hotline. I have been thinking about how we all push ourselves, whether that's being in denial about our illness or disability or losing mobility and abilities and how our bodies are interacting with capitalism. So um, this is a poem for you. It's called Push. Push down on me where it hurts. Push the pain away. The pressure makes me feel safe. Push down on me where the muscles are tight. Push the knot right out of me. Turn pain into pleasure. Turn care into pleasure. Turn me into pleasure. Transform me from anatomical meat to myself again. Call me by my name and not a list of Latin words, an A4 black and white list of drugs, symptoms, conditions. Push past, push through, push through, push, push, push through. Lie face down, salty pillow tears, push me up, lay me down, must push through. Take two Panadol and shut up, push on through. Take two more Panadol, push on through. Cold tiles on my cheek, push me up, push on through. Push me in my wheelchair, only when I ask. Push me up the steep bit, let me rest my arms. Push me in my wheelchair, push me on the swings. Push me where we're going, don't push me away. Thank you. That was Push. Uh, my name's Jamila. My pronouns are they, them. I have endometriosis and osteoarthritis. And I'm pursuing diagnosis for a bunch of other fun things. Um, I'm an ambulatory wheelchair user, but I'm also an actor and a writer. And I have a show coming up, which is interrogating ability and disability and athleticism and sport it's called benched it's on at darlinghurst theater may 25 to 29 uh, which is on unceded gadigal land in sydney but we have tons of options for how you can view the show so we'll be live streaming a performance that you can watch on your computer from your bed or your couch uh, we have a performance where you can zoom into the show you can come see it live, you can buy uh, a pre-recorded ticket um, and watch a recording on your own time. And if you can't afford a ticket, um, please slide into my DMs. I'm at Jamila underscore main on Twitter and Instagram. I really want to share this show with you. Um, so if you if you need a free ticket, I'll do my best to get you one. It's really important to me to share this work with the disabled and chronic illness 
community, family. I just love you all so much. Um, my disabled and ill friends nourish my soul and replenish my spoons. And um, this podcast means so much to me and the Facebook group that we have. Yeah, I'm really grateful it exists. Thank you, Joe and Chloe. And I hope wherever you are that your pain eases for a moment, that you have someone to give you a good hug. Uh, thanks for letting me write a poem for you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I, I honestly, like, like, I went through so many waves of emotion from that poem and message, Jamila. Like, I felt horny and then I felt, like, so emotional and I wanted to give you a hug. Thank you so much for loving our podcast and what we do and us. I have so little tears. Lo- I know. We love you too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, look, this is crying. It's happy crying is the uh, tail end of our episode. So thank you to our poet lorikeet, um, Jamila Main. They are doing their show and I'm really excited to go. So if anyone else would like to come with me in Sydney, please let me know. But yeah, that's a, a wrap up. So I, the one last thing that I would like to say is... Um, uh, push it real good. Push it! Push it real good! <laughs> We're going to play some of that song. (laughs) We're going to play as much of that song as we can get away with uh, without licensing it. (laughs) Because that's expensive shit. (laughs) But yeah, push it real good. Um, We love you, Spoonies and Chronically Fully Sickers. And we will see you next episode. So, bye. Bye. Bye.